0: Hi, everybody. Uh, for those of you new to this podcast, this is Sean speaking. Uh, I apologize, first of all, because I've been dealing with sinus issues uh, actually for a couple of months now, so you, m- you might hear it in my voice. But anyway, the reason that I'm kicking off the podcast like this is that uh, there was something I wanted to bring up when Jim and I recorded the main body of the podcast, and I totally forgot to. It's something that I really, really felt needed to be addressed. Jim and I love to have fun in this podcast and we still do we still will. But there is something serious I need to bring up um unfortunately here in the Chicago area and actually on this podcast too we recently lost a dear friend. It was September 18th actually my 20th wedding anniversary that Sean Quigley left this earth unfortunately and I just wanted to say a few words about him. You may remember I mentioned Sean Quigley before. In fact, it was the Cubert's uh, Cubes episode. I don't remember the number off the top of my head, but it came out earlier this year because uh, I mentioned that he and I went to Galloping Ghost together. I wanted to go to the Ghost, play Cubert's Cubes, and the other game we were playing. I totally forgot which one it was. And I posted on Facebook that I was going to go to the Ghost, and if anybody would like to get together, and Sean responded and said, hey, mind if I uh, join you? And I said, sure, no problem. He lived in Chicago, so it was pretty easy for me to get to him. In fact, he used to live in my neighborhood. I didn't know him then, but he used to live in my neighborhood, so he knew a lot of my haunts. Uh, Now, shortly after Sean Quigley and I went to Galloping Ghost, I went to Underground Retrocade, and he was going to join me for that, but he sent me a message and said, hey, I just had a rough dialysis session. I'm just going to stay home and recover from that. So uh, we didn't get to go to underground retrocade. And that was the last time I saw him. In fact, uh, some time later, I noticed that uh, I hadn't heard from him in a while. Nobody heard from him in a while. Turns out that he went into cardiac arrest sometime in June, and he was in the hospital for three months before he died. I didn't know Sean for very long. I only knew him for about four years. I knew of him for a while because he was a big presence on Facebook and the Galloping Ghost Facebook groups and things. And I met him at Galloping Ghost. I think it was a T20 tournament one year and he introduced himself to me. I was like, Oh, you're Sean Quigley. And, uh, right away, just seconds into our conversation, we were deep into discussion about desert strike. And he was telling me about, uh, how much he loved that game on the Sega Genesis. And I was talking about how I loved it on the Genesis and the Amiga. And he told me about how great the other strike games were like urban strike, jungle strike, and whatever else have you. And, uh, long story short, Sean Quigley loved everybody. He, you mention any name to him. He'd say, Oh yeah, I know her. She's a great friend. Or yeah. Oh, Oh, you know him too. Oh, great guy. He'd say that about everybody, everybody. And he was a really positive guy, very upbeat all the time, despite the crappy hand that was dealt to him. He had health problems probably his whole life. I know that he was very public about needing a new kidney, so he would get dialysis pretty regularly. And I know that probably about a year ago, he had some kind of organ transplant that, as a side effect, gave him cancer. And for what he told me, that was a pretty common side effect of the kind of... uh, transplant that he had. And when I picked him up to go to Galloping Ghost, he told me that he was feeling better than he had in years. He was working out. He was getting stronger. He was so happy. He was so happy. And uh, he told me that his cancer was in remission, so he was really excited about that, as was I. That's always good news. And we just had a good time that night. We talked about games, obviously. Sean was a big fan of heavy metal, so he could talk passionately about that and get you to really respect it. I'm not a metal fan, but he got me to really appreciate it. If I recall correctly, Pyromania by Def Leppard was his favorite album of all time. And we had a discussion of Chicago hot dog stands because he was a big fan of Chicago hot dogs. He told me about a dozen places around the city that he loved. And it was a big fixture in the arcade community. What really surprised me is that when he died, there were people who aren't even from the area who posted their memories about him. And it's it's crazy. That's how much effect he had on people. Galloping Ghost, in case you didn't know, is literally a tourist attraction now. People actually fly out here just to go to the Ghost. And so they chances are they encountered him there. Because Galloping Ghost was probably his favorite place on the planet. He went there as much as he possibly could. And so he probably met a lot of people from out of town and had that kind of an impact on him. But anyway, I'm going to wrap this up now. I've been going on a little bit long, but well, not that he doesn't deserve it. Uh, Sean, it was wonderful to know you. Uh, I know uh, Jim didn't know Sean very well. He only met him like once, I think briefly. Hence uh, his lack of participation here. (laughs) Uh, He he has no disrespect meant absolutely from Jim at all. But anyway, um, Sean also listened to Pie Factory podcast because he would share his thoughts on our episodes uh, with me from time to time. But uh, it was great to know him. And the way I feel about losing him is not sad because he's gone, but happy because he was here. And I have a feeling that's how he would want to be honored. But anyway, I hope I showed him some respect with this. And without any further ado, here is Pi Factory Podcast. Thank you.
1: So, are we ready to uh, get the show on the road, as it were.
0: On the road, I just
1: got home again. Uh, Can't wait to get back on the road again.
0: No, I I, I can. I, mm-hmm. I hope okay. to wait.
1: All right, well, hey, hi, hey, everybody. Hi. Good morning, good evening, and good afternoon, or, no, what was it? Good good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, as Jim Carrey said in the movie The Truman Show. Uh, once again, this is uh, Jimmy G. And once again, this is Sean. And we welcome you to another... No relation. No relation. I certainly hope not. <laughs> uh, another episode of the Pie Factory podcast. Uh, so, hi. Hi. Everyone. Hi. Hi. Hi hello yeah hello there how are you uh-huh. um how have you been Sean it's been it's three been weeks
0: three weeks, since, Not you three looked weeks at me. since I've seen you but mm. uh, it's been three weeks since we've recorded yeah yeah um how have I been well I was sick yeah and I was you see I got sick in August and w- with some kind of a cold or something and I'm thinking man thank god I'm getting sick now because I'll be over it by the time my san diego trip happens in september Oh, <laughs> uh, guess what i, I still had some sinus and so we went to san diego and my ears didn't unblock and i was really really angry and so i bet that was fun on an airplane well that's what i'm talking about oh because okay. my ears did not unblock when we landed yeah so i oh my oh, hearing oh, was you. all okay. out of whack whack i mean it got better but you know right and now that I finally got, I mean, I went to, uh, well, as, as a doctor I saw once called them, uh, I went to a doc in the box at, uh, at a CVS in San Diego to get some prescriptions just to mm-hmm. help kill it before I had to come back home. And it worked. It worked. You know, I, I, we came back home and my ears were fine. And just when I was finally feeling a lot better and clearer and not hacking all the time, mm-hmm. everybody at work starts getting sick. My oh, wife God. started getting sick, and now I notice today that I'm clearing my throat a lot more than usual, which is usually my first indication that I'm getting sick. Not good. So, yeah. How are you, Jim?
1: Um, Well, uh, I had a scare with my blood pressure, but yeah. other than that, I'm okay. Uh, my blood pressure is extremely high. I'm now in some yeah. blood pressure meds, and... But I'm still getting these headaches, but I have a feeling we're going to go away before too long. Uh, I just need to cut out the caffeine.
0: Usually caffeine cures headaches.
1: Well, caffeine raises your blood pressure, and you can get headaches from extremely high blood pressure. Huh. So I've cut out caffeine before. I'm doing it again. So the only reason I started back up on caffeine after I quit is because I started drinking green tea, thinking green tea was decaf. Eh, no, it's not. <laughs> it's not? So, no, it's huh. not. Yeah, you have to get special decaf green tea. Oh, okay. Which is, which I hate because I love, I I love a good unsweetened iced tea.
0: That's good to know because apparently while we were uh, at work today, the dog got, yeah, like got into some stuff, including a package of green tea that she opened up, but uh, she didn't ingest any. So,
1: oh, good. That's definitely good. So, um, as I was saying uh, a moment ago, uh, it's been a while since I've talked to Sean, but uh, I actually saw him recently. Oh, really? because Do tell. I didn't talk. I didn't talk to you though the whole time. But we went to the Midwest, the Vintage Computer Fest Midwest in uh, where was it? Elk Grove Village, Illinois, which was uh, it was Elmhurst. It was, uh, in oh, you're right, Elmhurst, Elk Grove Village. Villages uh, that's, further that's, north. Yeah, yeah. We were near York and Roosevelt Road, where you always, always save more, more money. money. Yep, but. Um, we had, uh, yeah, the Vintage Computer Fest there. And that was a great time. Saw a bunch of people I've, uh, I know from, uh, from YouTube and from podcasts. I met Randy Kindig from the Antic Podcast, which, if you're not listening to some of their interviews, I highly suggest you do. They're just amazing. We have used them for research in a few of our episodes, no- most notably the Cloak and Dagger episode. And uh, I met uh, Clint from uh, Lazy Game Reviews. He drove all the way out, f- out to Chicago from North Carolina. And uh, hoping to see him report on stuff he bought at the Vintage Computer Fest. But uh, yeah, I met up with some old friends like uh, Tempest and. Um, or was that uh, one of his clones? Ooh, that's a good question. But met him and uh, bass Guitari from Atari Age, good friends of uh, good friends of the show, and um, Keith Sheehan was there, and. Um, yeah, I was asking you know, bass guitar because I gave him my Coleco Adam a few years ago, and he said basically he had to couldn't do anything with it. He had to scavenge it for parts, and um, basically he's going to get a new one, I guess. So I was originally going to uh, I found a website, and I can't remember where it was, where they'll refurb or your your Coleco Adam, or they'll uh, take it in for trade on a on a refurb uh, memory console. But uh, I'm like thinking about it, and I'm like I can't, as much as I love the thing, I can't justify having one these days. So, so I just gave it to him. It was like two years ago now, No, a year and a half ago now, and um, at Midwest Gaming Classic. So, so there was that. But as far as the uh, Vintage and Computer Fest, I am, I have a few regrets in life. One of which is never having gone to one of these shows earlier because it was really awesome. Some of the displays they had there. There was one they had a working. Uh, what was it like a PBX system or was it just a straight phone I system? Know. I don't remember. But – and then there was uh, one that was – actually, there was two. One had a basic telephone system. One had a more modern PBX system, and they had some phones uh, set up, and you could uh, call the number on there for a special message. And I should have realized from the display uh, right next to it Uh, that it was a (laughs) Rickroll. But I did get get a hearty chuckle. Uh, there were vendors of every stripes from pinball vendors to people selling arcade machines, to people selling vintage uh, computer things to computer related crafts. As we were saying, our friend Tempest had um, had a couple of old systems with him. Uh, I believe he had the egg. Uh, what was it? The Exidy wizard. I think it was called uh, computer, which was a really interesting piece. Um, I believe we may have mentioned in a previous episode about this computer, but uh, I have never seen one. And, um, there was just a real lot of neat stuff, and I'm gonna next. I'm definitely gonna go next year, free to get in, uh, which is amazing. I'm su- yeah. I'm surprised they don't charge. If they have to charge to get it, I'll gladly pay the fee again because that was really really cool. It was really well done. It was in a nice facility, maybe a little hard to find because of where its location is. But uh, if you know where you're going, it's not too too bad. But yeah, had had a lot. I didn't of fun. know where I was going, and I found it pretty easily. Oh, there you go. It's it's like tucked back behind some industrial. Uh, oh yeah building so you if you don't know to go back there i mean i mean they have signs out on the street and everything but it's yeah. still kind of in a out of maybe it's not so that it's hard to find it's that it's in an out of the way place that's probably a better yeah. way of putting it but it was a really nice facility really nice uh show
0: and um yeah t- uh cheers for uh for a good time and um I told my wife when I went, I, I texted her, I said, wherever you think I'm at right now, that is exactly what it is. <laughs> it, it's hard not to compare it to, to a computer junk show, really. That's not
1: being charitable to it. It's, But, I mean, for if you want to think of it in a way just like a warehouse of old computer parts, basically, is, is, <laughs> is kind of, I mean, that's not even fair. It's... Because people, it's not junk. I mean, people really have pride in the stuff that they're displaying. Oh, yeah. It's a nerd heaven. Let's put it that way. One of the things I thought that was really neat was the guy that had all the different Commodore calculators on display. That was really cool. We didn't get to see any speakers because we didn't go on Sunday. They had one thing going on on Sunday, but they had a few more things that I would have liked to have seen on the Saturday. Uh, But I I had mandatory overtime at work, which I'd scheduled going to this thing a long time before, but. Oh, we got to come in for overtime, which I need the money, but, you know, oh, well, at least I didn't spend money on a ticket to go on the Saturday because you don't yeah. pay to get in. Uh, and w- one of the highlights is a free table, which they didn't have a whole lot, but one thing they did have on there that I picked up was a clock radio and um, it works. Uh, the buzzer to wake me up is annoying as hell, uh, but it overall works better than my previous alarm clock. So, you know, I got to give it that. Uh, I need to get a couple of, tr- no, I got to get a nine volt battery to put in there to save the time and the, and the stuff. But, um, yeah, I mean, if you, they have these all over the country, um, if you see one in your area, vintage computer festival, go to it. You're going to have a great time. And, um, I understand that this, the Midwest one is not affiliated with, not officially affiliated with the other vintage computer festivals. Uh, from what I yeah, understand. It's like their own thing. Yeah. Cause it's it's kind of a weird situation. I don't know the details on it, but um, they don't have a problem with them hosting it. I've never heard haven't heard of
0: any complaints or lawsuits, so they must be doing something right. So, I, I got. I'm going to be honest with you. It, I, I walked away depressed. I really did. Really? Because I, I keep see. thinking that I want to get an Amiga again, and it just reminded me that that you cannot get an Amiga without spending a butt ton of money. Mm-hmm especially if it has any upgrades on it whatsoever. It's like right. oh man a bare bones 1200 costs now what it cost when it first came out in 1991. And I remember there was a time I bought an Amiga 4000 and I I could hardly give away my 600. Hmm. And when I upgraded my 4000 and got one of the newer uh, next gen Amigas, I also had I I couldn't give away the 4000. Now forget it forget it. If you're if you're looking for one of those things, you better be rich. Especially, oh, what, what really, I loved seeing this, but it was just sad seeing how much money I'd have to pay for one. There was a guy who had an Amiga 600, and he had these for sale too, mm-hmm. or maybe at least just the one that was on display. The Amiga 600 was reputed to be the least upgradable Amiga ever because everything on it was surface mount unlike right. say the 500 Unsocketed, which that was sort of thing. socketed yeah the 1200 was surface mount too but it had some extra ports on it that could make upgrading a little bit more reasonable mm-hmm. it, it was natural to add an accelerator one of those but on the 600 there wasn't any kind of port like that it was just an ide port and a pcmcia port and that was it and they eventually figured out how to add an accelerator. It basically involved sticking an accelerator card literally on top of the CPU. Mm-hmm. And it would, sh- it would intentionally short out the existing CPU ah. or something. But now they've taken that same technology. And there are some accelerators that are just amazing that bring Amiga up to just the 600. Up to modern standards in both really? graphics and sound. Oh, wow. And as well processing power. Huh. And I was I was looking at that. I was like, oh, 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 man, i love to have one of these things.
1: I get what you're saying about coming away feeling a little depressed because right next to where our friend Tempest had his uh, display, uh, there was a guy who had a Coleco Atom, and he had the um, SD card. I don't remember what it's called. There's was an SD card drive for the Coleco Atom. and It was just chock full of all of the software on there. And I'm like, that thing was amazing. Um, makes me wish I never got rid of my Atom, but, you know, that's just more stuff that yeah. uh you know more stuff to clutter up the basement and i i have limited space to hook things up right now i've got my 7800 my master system my and my xe kind of sort of hooked up to my tv in my bedroom but uh with the tv in the basement we got uh the, the switch hooked up to our main tv which we need a new joy-con for that uh but yeah it's did, did haruki get to that one too yeah he did actually yeah, it uh, was uh, it involves teleportation. It's all really complicated. Yeah, but yeah. um Beagle's can operate, you know. Oh, yeah, that's true.
0: But um yeah, it was a great
1: time. I'm going to go again next year like I said.
0: And also I was looking for possibly getting a Commodore 64C. Um, I got a Commodore 64 at Midwest Gaming Classic in 2018. Yeah, it was uh, last year. And I was so happy to get that, but then I realized like this I think I have one of the earliest models on it because the uh, monitor port only has like five pins on it mm-hmm. and the the only the very first ones had only five and I think the later ones had more pins to it <laughs> with and I noticed when I was playing crossroads I love that game that red text on black is not showing up very well it's kind of blurry and I think it's just simply because it's how old the the computer is it just didn't have the same kind of clarity. And also, my first computer was a Commodore 64C, so I was hoping to get one because I, I really liked that mm-hmm. one. But I didn't really see any available. There's there some other models, but not that one. So it's like, yeah. And even then, even those are expensive now. You're looking at like 200 bucks. I was like, man, I don't know. I'm just not going to win at this uh, re- at this vintage computing thing.
1: Yeah, I honestly at this point, I I I I can't justify spending money. Even if I had a million dollars right yeah. now, I couldn't justify getting another uh, classic computer or whatever because, if, well, first of all, space is the number one issue. But then it's like dividing your time, and it's like, are you going to be playing it or dealing with it enough to justify it? And uh, there comes a time in every collector's, almost every collector's history where you know you're you've got those kind of issues but um yeah i do want to say thank you for the uh thank you for the delicious lunch sean the delicious birthday lunch uh sean courtney took me and uh and keith sheehan out to the weber grill restaurant which is uh, just a couple of miles away i love me the weber grill restaurant oh gosh that's a great restaurant and um they didn't have the full the full menu at lunchtime you know they got their lunch menu but uh, the uh, it's still really really good um, I got the beef, was it the beef brisket sandwich, I believe it was. Mm. Is that that or pulled pork? I think it was the beef brisket. And it was so good. But uh, the iced tea was really good, too. They,
0: I love their iced tea so much. Oh, it's much. amazing. But for, There's again, a restaurant on uh, Montrose Beach called The Dock. It's only open during the season. They're going to be closing in a couple of weeks, probably. If they have the same iced tea, it's so good. <laughs>
1: Circle K gas station, <laughs> where I get gas every uh every week uh, has that same tea as well mm. it is it is really good it's hard not to uh have more and more i get, turned my daughter
0: onto that tea she really likes it so but yeah jim the g uh have you been playing any veja games veja games Why yeah. oh, funny you sh- no, no 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 that wasn't really that funny yeah mildly amused that you
1: asked Yeah, I have been. Of course, played some of the games we're talking about tonight. but um,
0: Hmm. I played some of them, too. Yeah,
1: but uh, I've been mostly the last week or so playing a lot of Fantasy Zone and Fantasy Zone 2 on the Sega Master System. I remember when I first had a master, Master System and had Fantasy Zone, I actually solved the game. I was actually able to get all the way through it, and I've been trying to get to that point again. However, I just can't do it because there's one boss in the game that always gets me. It's like a little fish. You got to shoot the tongue in the middle of his jaws while he's shooting these spikes out, it or these little triangles out at you. Then they come in a pattern, but um, you got to have like a really, really fine touch to get it and to get by them. But you also got to watch your weapon because if you have like the seven way shot, it's uh, you can only get the t- hit the tongue on the angled shots out of your out of your ship which is the ship is called the Opa 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 and um and he always gets me because I'm always have my seven shot at that boss and there's I really love the game it's fun it's addicting as hell it's like crack but it's like that one boss always is where I lose most of my lives so I've gotten and when you've passed like the you know the main set of levels then you got to go through every boss again before you get to the main boss which is Opa, Opa's dad. Hmm. But
0: um, so that's what I have been playing. Love that game. So what have you been playing, Sean? Well, let's see. I played some of the games that we're going to be talking about tonight. No. And I went to Underground Retrocade's big uh, seventh anniversary, Yeehaw, on September oh, 13th. Man. Saw a bunch of people I haven't seen in a long time, actually. wish I could have.
1: I'm always missing these special anniversaries that the local arcades are having for one reason or another either I don't have the money to get up there, don't have i have something else going on which is what it you normally usually is. Yeah. It's it's I got to make it a concerted effort to go to the next one. I think we just missed the Pixel Blast one too. Pixel Blast was in July. Oh, that's right, that's right. Yeah. And Yeah, I was I was out of Ghost town. just had their had had one didn't they or is that coming up? They had a swap meet which they do
0: every month or two.
1: That's right. I've been to the swap meet once. Those are actually kind of fun. They're not huge, but they're still kind of fun.
0: The only thing that I don't like about uh, Underground Retrocade's anniversary thing is uh-huh. that when they reopened, and that's what that's the anniversary they usually, they usually falls under, they reopened 2013, mm-hmm. the same exact weekend that, this, that the big like Heritage Festival in uh, the Dundies was happening, Ah, which means that parking was just non-existent. Like mm. I actually had to park like several blocks away in front of someone's house. I had to open up the map app and drop a pin so I could find the car. Really? But, wow. Yeah. But thing is, that's a that's good timing though, because yeah, for business. people are going to go yeah. and it was oh, it was yeah.
1: pretty active. he has got a great busy location right there. Oh yeah, yeah. I, dare I say I think his location is better than Galloping Ghost, but I don't think Galloping Ghost really needs a <laughs> needs a great location. They get by on reputation. And they just bought out a Chinese
0: restaurant next door to one.
1: Yes. I about the, the Galloping Ghost, yeah. that is not the retrocade. Yeah. And that's going to be part of the arcade which, uh, from what I understand, will uh, give them the capacity to have 900 games.
0: Yeah. I saw I saw some people I haven't seen in a while. Matt Burke. I haven't seen him in a while. Oh, I haven't seen him in a while. Bill, I like him. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. Uh, Bill Dermody. Dermody. I never knew how to pronounce Bill his Derm- last name. He was there. I, call, I thought it was Bill Derm- Dermody or something. Uh, Kate Bozzi. She was there I think I think uh, she was there with her fiance, I believe. Um, and she was oh man, and she she was one of, the, one of two people who won Brownie points with me because we were we were talking and she said, if you don't mind me asking how old are you?" And I said I'm 44. she's like, "You're kidding, you don't look that old." And I was like, really? And, and when I was in San Diego and I took an Uber to the dock in the box at CVS, the Uber driver said, "Hey, are you from around here?" I said, "No, I'm here visiting." He said, "Oh, what's the occasion?" I so, said, "It's my 20th wedding anniversary." He said, "You don't look old enough to have a "You're <laughs> getting a nice tip." But um, let's see. Of course, uh, Scott Lambert was there, as really? was I wonder yeah, why, as was his father, his oh, really? son, and his grand and his grandson. So it was like four Lambert generations. That was really cool.
1: Wait, Scott's this-
0: got a grandson? Yeah, he. I think earlier in the summer. Really I think, I think his old, his oh, wow. oldest uh I, th- I think drew I think drew had a had a yeah yeah it must have been drew, yeah, so there's four generations of uh Lamberts there, yeah, cool, and I remember that Scott wanted to get a group picture mm-hmm. at eight thirty. he posted that on Facebook, he said, everybody let's get gather for a group picture so I kind of hung around up front when it came time to be eight thirty but I, there there was a little delay for whatever reason, so I killed time. By playing a few of the games that I know I suck at that are right up front, Mm -hmm. including Star Trek strategic operations, strategic operations simulator. Yeah. And I accidentally beat my personal best. Because that's a, I, I like that one. That's a and fun the thing game. is, I found it, the strategy that works for me with strategic operations. So as game, I can't talk. Just call it Star is, Trek. There's no other Star Trek arcade. Game. I only look at the radar screen. I don't yes. look at anything else. Yes, and that, that's what I did before. Like I didn't like look at the first person point of view screen. I just looked at the yes. radar screen. And uh, oh, they brought in pizza from the new pizza joint that opened next, uh, almost next door to them. and that oh, was wow. really good stuff. Even though it was tavern cut, and I don't like tavern cut, but I'll take it up with uh uh the I, th- I think they're called Woodfire. I think yeah. that's the name of it. But there used to be an Italian restaurant either. on the corner of second and main, and they went out of business earlier this year, and the pizza joint moved in and just opened. It is really, really good. I think it's called Woodfire Pizza. Let's see, do a little search. Yep, Woodfire Pizza. And yeah. So good pizza there. Um And I did a tiny bit of home video game playing as well. Um, I played Desert Falcon on the 7800 for the Atari Age High Score Club, and my score was definitely not. (laughs) And I know you're not a fan of Desert Falcon, and I can kind of understand why, but I I was actually enjoying it. And this past Saturday, the branch of the Chicago Public Library that's in my neighborhood, the Edgewater branch, they were Mm -hmm. having a book sale, and my wife wanted to go. So we both went over there. And when we got there, they were doing one of those things where you fill up a a grocery bag and everything you can put in there, $5 for the whole bag. Mm -hmm. And so they had books, they had CDs, DVDs, and everything. And I looked at the DVDs, and I saw that inside the DVDs was a copy of The Sims 3 Mm -hmm. for PC and Mac. So I figured, well, if my wife's getting anything, I'll toss this in the bag because it'll essentially be free. And I've always been curious about The Sims, so I figured Mm -hmm. now's a good time to check it out so yeah it turns out yeah my wife got a few things so i tossed this in the bag so yay free video game out of it and my experience just installing the sims 3 Mm -hmm. reminds me of why i don't like modern games and why i prefer say atari
1: and it doesn't mean and it hasn't uh
0: confirmed your belief that ea is evil oh i didn't know because i had not had experience with ea since the sega genesis gotcha and the amiga the EA started being evil after the Sega Genesis years. Yeah, because I, I put in the, the DVD. Of course, you have to run an installation, and everything, which took for freaking ever. There's no reason for that. I mean, you could copy a whole DVD for less time than that. And once it installs, and you have to start it up, you go through all kinds of production screens and mm-hmm. and kind like watching a movie. And then it said, "Okay, we uh, we need you to put the game disc in." To continue. So I put the game disk in, still said, We need the game disk, click retry. To, and it was just an endless loop of retry. Turns hmm. out it's a bug in the game. Oh, God. And it affects both Mac and Windows. So I had to download a couple of gigabytes of patches Ugh. and install them. Still didn't do the trick. And then it turned out that somebody figured out that if you remove one of the DLL files and then copy a file from another folder in its place, that it does that. So I figured, okay, I'll try that. And of course you have to create an account with EA. Oh yeah. I hate that. And I set up an email address just for that. So it'd be nothing that, especially because if I start getting spam, I know exactly who did it. Right. So after I do all that, and by the way, when I try to log in and it's, and I say, remember me for the next login, it doesn't. So Hmm. I, I did that. And after I did all the wacky things that people say to do, and it asked for the game disc, took the game disc, continued until there was another kind of error that I didn't bother researching because I had already wasted three hours at that point. Meanwhile, I turned over to my Atari 7800, I put Desert Falcon in, turned it on, and it was ready to play immediately. Yep. So yeah, that, ladies and most likely gentlemen... Is exactly why I well one of several reasons why I cannot get into modern gaming.
1: Yeah, you know, to be fair, that was a um, a PC game, but I don't know what the what the process is though for for like a Xbox or PlayStation. Now that those have hard drives, yeah. and you pretty much have to install stuff on those, I'm just not gonna get those. But um, I am thinking about as soon as I can scrape up a few bucks, getting the um, Mario Maker Two for the Switch. But hmm. uh, but as far as the Sims go. I had the first one with the, like a bunch of the expansion packs. The CDs got scratched over the years; so they're unusable now. But I, in fact, I don't even know where they all are. But uh, it's fun for a little while. But it's just like I'm living my real life. This is like kind of meta, and like why would I want to do this? But you know, I guess now they have like different patches where you can have magic, or not patches, but expansions where you have magic and stuff like that. So I guess there's something. But it's just like. You know, why? I mean, it's, I don't know. But then again, you know, I've once upon a time, I had a collection of Activision C64 games for the PC that that, yeah. that Activision put out. And there was a game, Little Computer People, on it. And I was playing that, and that was kind of fun. So <laughs> I don't know. But the thing is, Little Computer People was more like, uh, more like having like a sea monkey or a Tamagotchi or something like that. You didn't have to really have to play a whole lot just do a little bit you know sets them up for for living their own life on their own whereas with the sims you pretty much got to babysit all that and it's i don't know i I can see why people like it but it's just not for me
0: and the thing is i remember when the sims came out in the 90s and i thought it was just a collective title for sim earth sim city and sim ant and that's not what it is at all of course it's like, oh, oh, do you have the Sims as it, I thought you meant, oh, like SimEarth, Sim Ant. You know. At least with SimCity
1: 2000, they tried, at the very least, they tried doing something a little bit more with it by uh, creating SimCopter and then uh, uh, Streets of SimCity, which I think I had both of them at different times where you could import cities from SimCity 2000 into those and you could either fly around or drive around in them. So that was really cool. <laughs> you know about the bug in uh, SimCopter, right? Nope. One of the programmers got really pissed off at uh, Maxis or Electronic Arts, whoever it was at the time. So they left a uh, they left uh, an Easter egg in there, and I don't know how to tr- uh, trigger it. But at some point in the game, if the conditions are right, all of the the Sims will turn into uh, into uh, swimsuit wearing men, and they'll go around kissing each other. <laughs> oh, so uh, yeah. Okay. Um, I guess both the games were buggy as hell. I don't know. I had fun with them, but. No. Simcopter was re- really fun trying to trace- chase down criminals in your helicopter and perform rescue missions and stuff. I, I enjoyed it, buggy as it was,
0: but Oh, and one other thing. Uh, I um let's see. I worked from home yesterday, so today was my first day back in the office since the weekend. I got to my desk and there was a package from Package. One Richard Grounds, who's uh, a longtime friend of the show and a Patreon supporter. Thank you, Richard. He got me an early birthday present. Oh, it was the Ty- the so called Taiwan Cooper version of the Atari Twenty Six Hundred Popeye. <laughs> awesome. I love that thing so much. Awesome. And for those of you who don't know, Atari Twenty Six Hundred cartridge. May- many of you probably know this, but hey, there- there's got to be somebody who doesn't know. There was a company in taiwan who put out kind of a shady reissues of certain titles popeye being one of them pac-man was another one there's a a couple of dozen of them i think they also put some out for ColecoVision, which i didn't know until uh, uh midwest vintage computer festival by the way when i saw a couple of them there but they're so called taiwan cooper because they come from taiwan and the name of the game is in a font that looks like the cooper font face very well might be cooper And the illustrations on the cover just are so bizarre. Like the Pac-Man one, it has Pac-Man and the monsters in the maze, but it also has robots shooting lightning at Pac-Man, and for some reason, the Eiffel Tower somewhere in the maze. I don't know where that (laughs) came from. And the Popeye box, uh, the cover picture is of some obviously German guy with a beer. Yes. And... Will you indulge me for a
1: moment? May I, may I read the copy from the back of the box? Oh, please do.
0: <laughs> <clears throat> it's not going to be as good as Sarah the Librarian did it, but... <clears throat>
1: <clears throat> Olivia is confined in the top hole which fills with many terrible creatures. Olivia throws the cabbage to with the mysterious power which can give Popeye energy. Popeye must take the cabbage. If Popeye have twenty pieces of cabbage, he will have enough energy to attack Brooke, who always hurt Olivia. So Popeye must rescue Olivia from the terrible hole.
0: <laughs> that was a word-for-word reading. Of word the for blur. word.
1: I, I just love the throws the cabbage to with the mysterious. That is awesome. Oh, yes. oh gosh.
0: Uh. <laughs> Oh, you get 300 points for one cabbage, though. Ooh, well. And 100 points for one obstacle. Taking one obstacle. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, though, now I don't know what to do with this thing because I kind of want to ha- like frame it, but you need both the front and the back because both the front and the back are just so... Oh, man. And then I just looked at the front cover. It's like the, the guy in the front cover, the, the tongue is very disturbing. Yeah, you know, what you like
1: do a, is you get one of those uh, what do they call it? One of those clear acrylic plastic collectors cases. And, which it uh, came
0: with, by the way?
1: Oh, it did. Okay, yes. well you've got that covered. Just put it on some sort of a stand with a, a with a swivel mount. I'm sure they make something hmm, like that. That's a thought. That's a thought. Yeah, because oh, and then
0: if then, I put a motor on it. I can
1: have it revolve. Ooh, even better. That's yeah. awesome. Yes. Yeah. So yes, this is for the Atari yes, Video
0: Hyphen Computer yes. System 2600. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, the guy in the front—it basically looks like W.C. Fields with a handlebar mustache, a tiny hat with a f- with a leaf in it for some reason—and in front of it hes in front of a table that has a cake, a loaf of bread, uh, what something that looks like Irish soda bread next to it, some fruits, a chicken or turkey like in the Tom and Jerry cartoons, and some weird-looking sausage. Oh, those are uh, eggplants or aubergines, if you will, and a small watermelon. It's like, yep, this is definitely Popeye. I'm looking for the. Uh taiwan cooper pac-man nice i like that the robots have letters r and p and i love how they shoot
1: electricity from the dots on their hands
0: yep yep and the and the stat and the the eiffel tower helps but anyway that's what i had to say about video games and stuff Mm -hmm. Uh, except of course for the video games we're going to be talking about momentarily Love kills yes
1: so, do we have any addenda and errata?
0: Well, it's um, emails.
1: It's- we got a brief email from our uh, friend uh, Chris. Plus Plus.
0: Oh, yeah, that's right.
1: Yeah, um, Just uh, basically, uh, happy 100th episode, fellas, and thank you for continuing with the podcast over four years. I've enjoyed every episode a great deal. No, stop it. I don't need to get my head examined, thank you very much. And happy 20th anniversary, Sean and Lisa. Aw. Uh-huh. And, of course, I responded, thank you for sticking with us. Chris, I hope you enjoyed the Bad Trivia episode. I hope everybody enjoyed that because it was oh, yes. a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, even, including, including people who didn't even listen to it. I hope they enjoyed it, too.
1: Yes, I hope everybody enjoyed it. And that yes. includes you, Mrs. Mr. Trump and Ms. Pelosi.
0: We don't... Uh, no, do we know for sure they haven't heard it?
1: That, I think there had been some law written against us if they had. Oh, really? Yeah.
0: Oh, that's that's true. That's yeah. true. Uh, I don't know. Um... We did we get something from Eugenio too for the, the, that that we should did look we? at later. I um, thought maybe we, we made, did. Yeah, I think how think pretty- down.
1: Is it here? Ah, here it is. Yes, we did. Hey, uh, that's and basically it's an email about tonight's games. So um, we'll hold off. So we'll hold off on that for right now.
0: Yeah, we'll do that. On and the uh, we do have um, some addendum uh, or oh. an addendum. An addenda. Yeah, for uh, episode one hundred and one. Oh, okay. When we were talking about specifically Head on Two, and I gave a little bit of a background about Head on and it, its Exidy knockoff Crash, mm-hmm. something that I just learned the night before we're recording this, I totally missed, is that you can download the Mame ROM of Crash for free. And of course, we will uh, put a link in the show notes to where you can download the free. It's totally public domain. It's totally legal. So yeah,
1: of course the listeners do know that Sean and I both own eat every game that we've ever talked about in the arcade format.
0: Well, except for the ones that are legally emulatable. On that's true. Without that's having true. to have these. So uh, like, you know, we're, we're so totally. So I actually, I, I actually gave away my crash machine. You did? Yeah, because mm. I don't need it anymore. That's true. That's true.
1: Yeah, I've got mine here somewhere. I think it's under this pile of coats. Yeah, I gave it to the uh, local malt shop. So. <laughs> I don't know why that's making me laugh. The malt shop thing.
0: <laughs> okay, I'm over it. It's because I am a hilarious person. Well, does funny looking count? I don't know. It doesn't for me. So, uh, have you any addenda errata? I have no bananas today. I mean, or well, addenda hey, and rata. Bur- uh, addenda go, and errata. Should we then proceed into the uh, main topic of this episode why yes i think we should all right so what game about what game should we talk
1: you know what let's just talk about space panic oh space panic yeah let's do that one first space panic is for 1980s by universal the same company that brought you the mr do series and, um, yeah, there's going to be a little more about that in a minute, but, um, really? basically you've got an astronaut, he's going around some floors that are connected by ladders and, uh, you got different aliens that you have to destroy. How do you destroy them? Well, you use two buttons on the control panel. One digs a hole and one fills the hole. And I was going through this, um, I was looking through the manual and, uh, there's some lovely, lovely bits of prose here. So, uh, first of all, Thank you very much for your purchase of the Space Panic. Carrying a CPU, the Space Panic is a game machine of the newest type with many features and functions. So, I'm so glad it's a game of the newest type with many features and functions. It's kind of like our podcast, except we have not quite as many features and functions. That's right. Um, This manual describes how to make the most of such features and functions, so please read it carefully in order to make the best use of the machine. And here I was going to use it for a hat rack. I don't know. Hmm. So, um, maybe control, that is the
0: best use of the machine.
1: M- oh, it might be. Yeah. So at, like, as I was saying, it has a faraway d- joystick. It has a dig hole button or, and a fill hole button or, or as the, uh, the parts, uh, list says here, push button, holing and closing. <laughs> so you're not digging a hole, you're holing. Mm-hmm. So, Any so, word in the English language can be verbed. That is true. That is true. But the object is, as I was saying, to destroy all the enemies before the player runs out of oxygen. Uh, Again, quoting from the Operator's Manual, The game packs in excellent features capturing the hearts of players. The lever control system is simple to handle. At the flick of a dip switch, you can select among extended play the number of tank... Number of tanks? Tanks? (laughs) And time of appearance of an additional tank, etc., I wonder if that was just generic talk for player, but they didn't call it a play. They didn't. They didn't call it a tank previously. High score for the day is always displayed on the screen. Finely designed cabinet and fascinating acoustic effects. Well, I'll take their word for it because the ROM in MAME, which I was forced to to use because my space panic machine is down, um, oh. almost all the sound in the MAME ROMs is uh, for this game is broken. So, uh, just keep that in mind. Uh, If you're going to use sound effects from this game, you're going to probably have to use from the ColecoVision version. Hmm. That's always a hard phrase to say, ColecoVision version. So, again, I'm going to quote the How to Play again from the Operator's Manual. Make the man dig holes. When a space monster has... There, they call him a man. They don't call him a tank. When a space monster has fallen through a hole to a lower floor, if you cover it over before the monster creeps out of it, you are awarded points. A monster boss or Don, those are the names of the monsters, does not die unless they drop more than one, two, or three floors, respectively. <coughs> I'm just gonna wing it from here. And when you when you drop more than two space monsters into the hole, or whatever, they will die together. And the more increased the the, the more I don't know. The different monsters have different number of floors they have to be dropped through before they die. Like the monster only one one through one hole. The uh, the boss through two and the don through the three. Which, in mafia terms, would a don be above a boss? I
0: I I don't know. I I really don't know. I thought you would know that with your mob ties and my eight years in New Jersey. I mean, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, New Jersey
1: and Chicago. So you got the best of both worlds. Well, Remember, Al Capone was born in Jersey.
0: Yeah, but the thing is, like, the mob isn't really doesn't really have much of a presence here anymore. Hmm even then they're from cicero yeah that's true that is true
1: so also when you dig a hole you can also fall through it and go down to the next floor and you won't die the only way you can die is being touched by a monster or running out of energy oh yeah when your uh, oxygen uh, goes all the way down your man your player's uh face will turn a bright red and there will be a warning tone which will activate It'll also make him move a little slower, the lower oxygen you get, from what I understand. Any yeah. oxygen you have left over at the end of the level will be translated into bonus points. That's about it. So with that now, scoring. A monster is worth 100 to 800 points. It has to do, again, with how many floors you drop him through. A boss, mm-hmm. 3 to 1,200. And a don is worth 800 to 2,000. And uh, this is widely cons- agreed that this is the very first platform game uh, ever created. It was This was 1960. 19- 1980 and donkey kong came along in 1981 according to the flyers i was looking this up on arcadehistory.com, and it has it as part of a a series of games universal did they called cosmic and like the first like four or five games in the series are space invaders ripoffs then you got this one and then it was followed up by cosmic avengers so they're part of the same continuity even though they're not sequels i don't know maybe it's just the name for a, a brand name for all the space games that they had which is uh I think makes a little more sense, but it doesn't do anything with that. There were a couple of ports of this. Um, the ColecoVision in 1983 had uh, Space Panic, which I have. I mm-hmm. remember after the game crash, I picked it up for 10 bucks at uh, Value City, when there used to be a Value City over in Ottawa. Really? And,
0: uh, for something called... They have Kf- Value City out here?
1: Yeah, there's Value City in the chicago area they're mostly only furniture now though they used Ah, to be they they used to be they used to have all sorts of merchandise but uh way back when but uh, they're pretty much all furniture now
0: yeah because when i was in jersey they had value city that wasn't furniture yeah i don't know they might
1: have a couple around here but we only get the ads for value city furniture but yeah was also it was also on the something called the casio pv 1000 now before i say the computers this was on well here's a hint it wasn't uh ported to any computers, I will say that my first introduction with this style of game was a clone called Apple Panic, which was on the Apple II, DOS, VIC-20, TRS-80, Atari home 8-bit computers, and the VTech Laser VZ had a version of it called VZ Panic, but uh, I I was uh, familiar with the Apple II version. I never got to play it because I would only see people in the computer lab in high school playing it, and they would never let me play it. I was picked on by both the nerds and the jocks. How's that for something? Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, that's when I first saw it. First place I ever played it was uh, in, I'm thinking it was a truck stop. I don't remember exactly where I played it. I do remember that the ball on the joystick <laughs> uh, was missing. That's the only thing I remember. And I do know I've played this in the arcade. And um, and that's pretty much the game. It's uh, not that complex. Um one interesting thing to note, the, the screens are randomized so that while this has the same number of floors on the same uh, horizontal axis, the ladders are all randomly placed, and so are the so are the enemies. Uh, obviously, first round you get only like three enemies, but then it goes like five and then seven, and then, and then it adds the harder enemies after that. Uh, one thing I did neglect to mention, if you trap a uh, enemy in a hole, and you can't uh, get to it to uh, fill the hole back in while the enemy's in there, he will crawl out and become the next harder enemy. You want to prevent that from happening early in the game as much as possible. Normally, an okay strategy is to be on a floor and uh, dig a hole on each side of you so that you're kind of protected, but there are situations that won't protect you. Then you also got to worry about running out of oxygen because it's almost like the uh, enemies in this game move at random. Doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason to their movement. I think you can influence them a little bit. Yeah,
0: there's definitely some influence going yeah,
1: on. Yeah, but it's uh, I haven't been able to make heads or tails out of it. I need to watch some long plays on YouTube to figure this out. But uh, yeah, yeah, there's the game. So, um, so Sean, uh,
0: mm-hmm. have, have we any high scores? Uh, we do, but normally I check... Twin Galaxies and Orcade different scoreboards just to get in a, kind of a little bit of a range. There's a little problem this time because there's no score listed on Orcade.com. So the only thing we have to go by now is Kevin Clark's old Twin Galaxies record of 48,960 way back from March 13th, 1983. Wow. And that's a pretty low score. Yeah. So, yeah. Yep. And I don't know if you notice this, but the... Creatures in this game look dangerously close to, say, the monsters in Pac-Man Plus after you eat an Energizer, even though they're not blue. Yeah. Like they have those little yeah, things they, growing they on they the top of their heads. I almost wonder if maybe Midway did that on purpose to kind of steal something from Universal out of revenge.
1: Mm. From, I
0: don't know, Universal stealing from other things, like maybe stealing la- Ladybug or something. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think that's a bit of a stretch. Yeah, stretch. All right. And what knocks me out is that the cabinet for Space Panic is freaking gorgeous. And then you play the game, it's like, oh, this is not freaking gorgeous.
1: <laughs> the The graphics are very bare bones. It's, as I was saying that uh, there was Space Panic on all the, the home computers, this looks like it, it really does look like nothing more than an eight-bit computer game.
0: Exactly. I mean, yeah.
1: it more than likely, you know, is an eight-bit processor. But I mean, it looked it, it But then again, we're seeing that from eyes from today. Back then, nineteen eighty, I guess there really wasn't much home other than the eight-bit computers that would look like that. So I guess it makes total sense, actually.
0: And actually, I think the ColecoVision Vision version looks
1: better. It's been a while since I've played that one, but I do remember. Uh, I do remember having some fun with the ColecoVision version. I remember, I think the ColecoVision version was actually a little easier than the arcade. Probably. Uh, version. But then again, I did always play it on uh, difficulty one. I think the arcade is like two or three on the selections on the CV. So ColecoVision version, ColecoVision version.
0: And uh, there's one thing that I didn't hear you mention that when hmm? I was playing when I was playing Space Panic, I thought there's something about the vibe oh, of this game. right. Mm-hmm.
1: And that vibe is, uh, it's got a bit of a Mr. Deuce Castle vibe to it, which makes me wonder if they use Space Panic as inspiration for Mr. Deuce Castle, seeing as they were made by the same company and it has a similar play mechanic. The only difference is that in uh, Mr. Deuce Castle, you don't have to dig a hole and fill in a hole. You can just uh, knock a block out with the same button, knock a monster through to the level below.
0: To me, it's like Mr. Deuce Castle is Space Panic, but much more on steroids. Th- well not even on steroids just plain thought out yeah like space panics were like okay here's what you do you pound a hole you trap the monsters boom that's the game but with mr do's castle they added kind of a strategy to it they added it's of a course, spiritual the graphics sequel much better i would argue it's a spiritual sequel i wouldn't even say it's a sequel i just say it's plain an improvement kind of like pac-man pluses to no maybe not pac-man plus is to professor pac-man yeah oh okay well there you go
1: Ooh, professor pac-man plus I just made Sean's head explode. <laughs> Two bad I, things that go worse together. Uh, uh, sorry about that. Uh, you back with us?
0: Uh, Is it taking that long to recover to from that? I, I don't think I'm ever going to recover. Okay. Oh, but, um, aha, space panic. Um, uh-huh. I've... I never actually played the arcade cabinet, except for the one that I that I have in my home, of course. Of course, because like otherwise I wouldn't be able to play it in Maine, because you know. Well, actually, I don't have the arcade cabinet in my home because we don't have uh, room here. So it's uh, I, I actually lent it to uh, the uh, Chicago JCs. Oh, okay. So uh, yeah, but I do remember seeing a screen. Ca- well, I don't know if it's so much a screenshot or a mock-up of the ColecoVision version, either in a Sears or JCPenney catalog or the September 1983 joystick magazine. And my brother saw that. He's like, Space Panic on the ColecoVision? He said, I remember playing that in the arcade. <laughs> so that's the only that's the only real memory I have of Space Panic right there.
1: Uh, actually and if you want to play Space Panic online, it is on archive archive.org. They got a page for it. Oh really? And I keep forgetting to mention when we talk about a
0: game that has a page on
1: archive. um, We should
0: link it in the show notes, unless maybe uh, doing that might attract attention to it. That would like.
1: I think it'll it'll probably be okay to link this because I don't know. I think Universal's long gone as a company, and uh, well, someone's got to
0: own the property.
1: You know what? Somebody does own the property for Mister Do. Now that I think about it, but that doesn't mean they own everything for Universal.
0: They can't own everything. That's true. So um, on a scale of one to five inclusive continues, how would you rate Space Panic?
1: Well, I remember liking the ColecoVision version, but like I said, I think I was just playing it on easy and um, it was a little, well, easier. But uh, playing this recently emulated and uh, on my cabinet, of course. The first time I played it, it was uh, really kind of ticking me off because, as I was saying, that the ladders are, uh, are randomized. So you could get sometimes a real easy layout. Sometimes you get a really fairly difficult one, like right on the first screen. And the first time I played it, there was like one or two guys left. And one of them, I would, it would turn into the green monster. And I could not get him because not only do you have to drop him through two holes, but he moves faster, too. And one frustration with this game is that... You can dig a hole underneath another one, but it's just slightly off center. And if you drop a monster through it, it'll it'll act like it landed on the platform below. And that's what my problem was in trying to get that uh, the green guy, and I would die because of lack of oxygen. So the the holes you dig are not on a grid system. So it makes the game adds a little bit more frustration to the game that I just don't think this game really needs. You you really got to be precise with your digger holes. You know I think I'm gonna rate this game a two.
0: Hmm.
1: I use. I remember. Like I said, I remember liking it, but it's just like playing it again. And it's like I don't know. Maybe it's just me getting older. Maybe it's just me. I don't know. Rose colored glass. Well, not rose colored, but uh, I, I don't know. I just have a hard time getting into it. But that having been said, I did play it a few more times tonight. I was getting into it a little bit more. So as with all of these ratings, um, they're always in flux. Every now and then we do an episode where we review our ratings for different games. So that might change in the future. I don't know, but. um yeah, I got to go with the two.
0: I I was tempted to uh, go with two continues on this, but the thing is, there is some redeeming quality to it, and I think my leaning toward the two was because I kept thinking Mr. Do's Castle, Mr. Do's Castle, which uh-huh. is much more fun. But as a standalone game, like if I didn't know about Mr. Do's Castle, this would be an okay game. I'm going to stick with a three, or maybe two threes. I don't know. I'll read it twice as a three. three. three, three,
1: three. So yeah. There you go for, ah, Space Panic. Space, space ooh, Panic. Uh, not uh, the tip of the hat to uh, Sean Holly and Victor Merlin there. And once
0: again, you have to explain the joke.
1: Oh, yeah. The the game Bank Panic. bank
0: o Which we've not talked uh, about Can You explain it further. Good grief. Oh, man. You see, this is why photosynthesis doesn't always work. The so should we uh move on to the other game we're gonna talk about? We should move on to the other game we're going to talk about. Yes, well, that I would be that would be looping. Ah, looping. Looping. Huzzah, looping. Uh, aha! Looping. Which is a video game, believe it or not. And it was really this is weird, because like in my research I found conflicting information, but I'm gonna say what I think is going on with looping. Uh, there is a company called Video Games GmbH. Uh, I know that's not how it's pronounced in German. Uh, that uh, came out in 1982, and uh, Video Games GmbH licensed looping to Video Games UK Limited in the UK and to Venture Line here in North America. Venture Line is based out of Phoenix, Arizona. And by the way, Pie Factory Podcast is going to do for you what nobody else ever does when there's some kind of American publication, such as this podcast. That mentions a company that has a GmbH in it. It's capital G, lowercase m, lowercase b, capital H. That means Gesellschaft mit beschränkter Haftung, which is basically German for limited liabilities company. Bless you. Thank you. And uh, the now, interestingly, that this was a German company, but the development team that worked on it was Italian. The main programmer was Giorgio Ugazzoli. And the high score table, the names listed on the high score table by default are Mario Pietro. Uh, there's a, Oh, there's another one. I forgot to wrote write down a lady's name, but I don't think it was very Italian though. It starts with an M. Uh, let's see, I think Maya or something, uh, Luigi, Marco and Silvio. And, uh, well, the game itself was developed in Parma, Italy. So, Oh, there you uh, go. That's why. And a German company distributed it and licensed it out. So, uh, Anyway, uh, I'm going to start with the boring details before I get into the actual gameplay for those of you who never played it. The control panel on the far left side, you have a two-directional joystick up and down. You have, of course, on the far right, you have your one-player and two-player start buttons, but over to the left, you have a fire button and a flight accelerator button. Ooh! By the way, the founder of Video Games GmbH, Reinhard Stompa made the MAME ROMs for looping available for free, and we will put a oh, nice. to that in, this, in the show notes. Uh, something unique about this game is that there is a voice synthesis chip made by Texas Instruments in the game, and it actually tells you how many lives you have left. It'll tell you what to destroy, etc., as you go through the game.
1: Flight number two alert
0: gate is open now. And I noticed when I was playing it that the voice sounds a lot like a speak and spell. And it's like, of course, because it's Texas Instruments, and Texas Instruments did speak and spell. B-U-T-T-W-I-P-E-R. That is correct. Now spell Workman. Are they the exact same chip? I don't know, because unfortunately I was unable to find out the exact CPU. That, uh, is used for the speech synthesis. And, uh, there's also a, there was a sequel to looping made by, uh, the same company called sky bumper. Mm-hmm. And I believe sky bumper came out in 1982 as well. I'd never heard of it until researching for this episode. I tried it out. It's basically like looping, but with a slightly different layout and it seems to be more forgiving with collisions. And I'll get into that well, right now. Why don't I, how about we talk about actual gameplay? You, as the player, you control an airplane that flies over kind of a city, and the goal is to reach, and I quote, the end. Dun, dun, dun! There are four main sections, if I counted correctly. The first section, you fly over what looks like uh, an airport and kind of a downtown, and there are hot air balloons at launch, and they fly around uh, that airport and that downtown. They must be huge hot air balloons Because they're about the same size of your plane, if not bigger. And they move pretty fast, too. I don't know how that works. I guess that's uh, when we should introduce a little thing called video game physics. Uh, Hide? It's time for another edition of Video Video Game
1: Physics!
0: In this episode's edition of Video Game Physics, we examine the physics in the game looping. Again, the hot air balloons move pretty darn fast and up and down at will. And you wouldn't think that'd be possible with a hot air balloon, but thing you is, I've never operated or flown in a hot air balloon, so what do I know? Also, if your airplane flies too high in the sky, it'll actually bounce off the sky, so that's very fascinating that the sky literally has a limit in this game.
1: <laughs> Which is actually uh,
0: uh, a strategy I uh, actually use to, uh, to, oh, to get past a part of me this game. too. Me too. And I will talk about that now. The first section, you are told you have to destroy the terminal. So you fly a little bit in. And by the way, you pull down on the joystick to go up and you push up on the joystick to fly down. And oh, I should also mention the reason the game is called looping is that you're going to be doing a lot of that in your airplane. If you have to go back, you actually have to loop to loop back.
1: It's a, it's a, really, if you think about it, I mean, it's a pain in the ass to control, but if you think about it, that's exactly how an airplane would work if you're only looking at it in two dimensions. You'd, you'd be going up and down. You wouldn't be able to, like, go all over the freaking place like uh, like some games.
0: Tevs. That's what I have to say about that. Tevs. Tevs. But still, like, having to, like, to basically change direction, you're making a full arch, and it's kind of like, ah! But anyway, you got to destroy the terminal, and you know you see the terminal because it has the word terminal on it, and it's at the bottom of the screen, and it's surrounded by kind of a mesh. It looks like one of those Chinese finger traps, (laughs) and actually those little finger trap things are yellow. They appear in several places in the game, and most of the time, you can shoot them away. They
1: actually remind me of the the mountains in the first zone of um, Vanguard,
0: only a lot smaller. But uh, the strategy that I – this might be the same strategy you use there, uh, Jimmy G, is uh, when I get to the terminal want to destroy it, there are three places you can actually shoot the terminal. Either side of the terminal, like aiming left down and right down. You
1: have to be at the precise angle. dead center. Yep.
0: And there's dead center, which is what I usually do. Mm -hmm. And what I usually do is I fly my plane upwards, and I aim it so that when it hits the top of the border and bounces back straight down – it's heading directly head on into the mesh, the Chinese finger trap that yep. covers mm-hmm. that hole. And I just keep shooting and I pull away before I crash.
1: Yep. That's exactly what I do.
0: Yeah. I think it takes two shots on the terminal itself to destroy it. And when you destroy it, the colors on the screen change, they get a little bit funky and that's how you know it's uh, uh time to move on. Well, the voice and then, also
1: kicks in too.
0: It absolutely does. Okay. You move on, you fly to the right, and you come across this maze of pipes. Huge pipes that are bigger than your plane. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what that's all about. And when you get there, there's some kind of piece of music that sounds kind of Baroque, like Bach or something. I don't know what that music is. At this point, you just maneuver the plane around that maze of pipes, which is a lot easier said than done in my own experience. Oh, yeah. Especially because you exit at this gap at the bottom right, And you have to start turning away from that gap before you even exit the gap or else you're going to crash on the bottom Mm -hmm. because of the arch. You can use the accelerator button because even though you're speeding up, when you accelerate, you can make tighter turns. Sometimes I do that to get out of that gap and sometimes it fails. But once you get Hmm. out of that gap and you move over to the right again, you go into this really wide open space. And in that space, there are a few pipes, and one of the pipes is on the far left, and it constantly shoots green blobs straight down. And obviously, you want to avoid the green blob or shoot it away, which means another one will come down after you shoot it away, of course. Uh, Now, something that I read, I didn't try this because I'm not any good at this game, but you can supposedly point press the game at this point by Mm -hmm. just accelerating and looping constantly and just blow away the green blob repeatedly.
1: Yes, yeah, I think I did see something about that, and in, um, in, I'm in sure the- it's doable.
0: I just I'm just not coordinating. Oh yeah, enough. heck
1: yeah, neither
0: of us are. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, should you survive the green blob, there is a rectangular area off to the other side that's bounded by pipes, and inside that rectangular area there are um, some bouncy things. I don't know what the hell they are because the manual wasn't any help. The red <laughs> rubber ball. Yeah, possibly, yeah. These red rubber balls bouncing around, and of course you need to avoid them and or shoot them, and then you exit through a gap on the right. And if you do make it through that gap, you proceed to the right even further, and there is yet another rectangle, but this time it's not formed by pipes, but what looks like steel girders, like from Donkey Kong or something, except that uh, some of them you can actually bounce, you can ricochet right off and not get hurt. And inside that rectangle made by those steel girders, there's a bouncing circular thing that you have to get past in order to reach the wall that has the words, the end on it. You have to touch that wall. And there are three gaps in the girders. And each one of those gaps is blocked by a ball that you, of course, can shoot away. Or you can wait for the bouncy thing inside the rectangle to knock the ball away from the gap temporarily. It'll bounce right back to the gap, but you can actually fly through it uh, while it's away. And if you're lucky enough to survive all of that and you touch the wall that says the end, you basically have completed the level and it starts all over again. Yay. So, yeah. And
1: I believe when you start the the next level, not in addition to the terminal, you also have to destroy uh, one or both of the missiles that are in the beginning portion. Uh, there's one in a bunker to the right of where it says terminal and there's one yes. right behind where you start.
0: Yeah. And they're also protected by that, uh, finger trap looking. Well, not the one behind you. The one behind you isn't. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. But
1: you yeah. have to do like a loop to get around to it. So yeah. No.
0: And yeah, I've, I've never made it to the, the end wall and I didn't enable cheats. So I just know, but, uh. I should go over the ways you can score points on this. Uh, There are, like I said before, there are hot air balloons and generally people recommend that you shoot those away. You don't like hover around too long or else the red balloon will come out, which will cause all the other balloons to go haywire. Uh, But there are three different colored balloons. The blue balloon, if you shoot one of those away, you get 200 points. A white hot air balloon is worth 300 points and a red one is worth 500 points. You get 150 points for each piece of the wall that you shoot away, the little uh, finger trap wall, basically. When you destroy the terminal, you get 2,000 points. When you're traveling through that pipe maze with the Baroque music playing, you constantly build up an additional 20 points. Like every time there's a tick, you get 20 points, and it's probably about every half a second, roughly. Uh, If you shoot the green blob, that's 500 points. If you shoot one of those uh, rubber ball thingies, you get a 1,000 points. Uh, that's in the room previous to the, the end rectangle. And if you shoot a bouncy thing at the the end rectangle, you get 500 points. Huh. So it's, it's a strange scoring scheme, but uh, there you go. And as for home conversions, there are three that I was able to uh, get any kind of information on. Of course, there's the ColecoVision version, which... I think that's even that's more well known than the arcade version. Actually, I would think so. I would say so too. And There was a Coleco made prototype for the Atari twenty six hundred that never got released. It's just
1: really, really good and fun. It,
0: it really is. It goes totally against Coleco's typical reputation for their twenty six hundred games. It is a really good one, and I think the general agreement as to why it never came out—it's uh, never been officially said—but I think the conclusion is that it was just too hard.
1: I think it also could have been around the time of the crash,
0: too. It also could have been around there, yeah. They also,
1: from the same time frame, released a prototype of Cabbage Patch Kids Adventure in the Park, which was also really, really well done. Just, again, that game was also pretty dang hard, too. So maybe both games needed a little tweaking in the
0: gameplay department. Could be, but uh, the prototype is, it's as fun. far as anybody can tell, is done. It's yeah. finished. It's
1: It's well done. I think the one, the main difference, well, obviously graphically, but I think there's one, the one difference between the two versions, uh, the arcade and the uh, the 2600 is, I believe, because of the lack of scrolling on the 2600 that the, well, obviously the screen doesn't scroll smooth. You go from like one screen to another. When you get to the edge of the screen, you get to the next screen. You get to the edge of that screen, and it doesn't scroll with you. I'd have to fire up the prototype again. It's been a while since I've taken a look at it, but I believe
0: that is the case. Yeah, we'll link it in the show notes we'll link too. It, yeah, in fact, I think that's and, on uh, our uh, internet archive as well. Now, according to my research, there was also a version of looping for the Spectra Video SV328 computer, and I believe that to be true because there was a part number assigned to it. And danged if I could remember what it was. But according to the information I found, it was supposedly converted from an MSX version, which was very common for Spectra Video games. They would be converted from MSX ports. But thing is, I could not find evidence that an MSX version of looping ever existed in the first place. So I don't know the story. And I could have sworn that when I was uh, doing my research, I stumbled upon the mention of a possible prototype for Intellivision. Either that or that it was announced for Intellivision, but never actually made. I don't know. Uh, If anybody who's an Intellivision expert is hearing this and can fill us in, uh, we would greatly appreciate it. Uh, Pie Factory at fab4it.com or pie factory podcast at fab4it.com or hit us up on facebook or the twitterverse or whatever instant Method, i don't know yeah so basically that's my whole thing about looping you, right there
1: you were saying how about uh, a mention of an intellivision version also remember too though uh Coleco was notorious for uh, promoting games and stuff in their catalogs, especially early on that just yes. never came out. Uh, I, I, I give you Mr. Was- Turtle based on the Coleco Mr. Turtle pool line. Uh, there was a game supposedly in development based on that.
0: Yeah. In fact, that might've been the context in which I saw this. And somebody mentioned that uh, looping was advertised in a catalog or something. Entirely and possible. That was definitely the case for the Atari 2600 version. I don't recall seeing that, but I, but
1: then again, I never really held on to the catalogs most of the time. Yeah, I'll
0: have to check. I think I have a Coleco catalog. Huh. But anyway, this is a terribly difficult game. I mean... It is. i I've I've never been able to finish the first level. No, nope, me neither. I, I can't I, get I'm past gonna...
1: the pipes. But I didn't realize that uh, if you that hit the speed... That is so hard. I didn't realize if you hit the speed up button, it makes you, allows you to make tighter turns,
0: though. So that gives me something to... Uh, to um to try and the thing is like even if without the speed buttons it's very difficult to stop your turn oh gosh like, you yes. have to have like instant reflexes yes. having said that though there are some people who still somehow managed to get high scores such as george Irway, who on june 5th 2011 scored one hundred and forty six thousand nine hundred and fifty during the 13th annual classics championships at fun spot and that is according to Orcade.com, A-U-R-C-A-D-E.com. And uh according to Twin Galaxies, David T. He scored i m I'm sure he's never heard that one before, scored a million four hundred and sixty-nine thousand nine hundred and seventy, and that was uh uh, submitted for their records on July 27th,
1: 1983. Fun fact, T. was the name of the uh, of the Bond villain's henchman in uh, Man with the Golden Gun, uh, as portrayed by Hervé Villiches.
0: Do you like James Bond? Oh, I love
1: James Bond. Huh. Yeah. Pluto TV has a James Bond channel.
0: Uh, so, uh, Jimmy um, G, was it? Um, G. Where did you first see slash play Looping?
1: Well, I want to think I have actually played the arcade version. But I could not, back, you know, back maybe not in the classic era, but just slightly after that. But I could not tell you where. I know I've played it, but I can't. Uh, I can't tell you where. My introduction to the game was obviously the ColecoVision version, which is where I played it first. And um, yeah, I mean, the, the graphics are nice. They they get the job done. They're they're typical for the the time frame in which the game was released, and given yeah. the Probably the the company that made it, which venture line I think only made the looping and sky bumper. Did you? I don't. I don't recall them making anything else.
0: They made. Uh, they do. I think they did make some other games. Uh-huh. Um, hold, hold the hold the phone here. Um, let me see here. Uh, because I thought I looked and I saw like eighteen games. Oh, really? Uh, let me see here. It's
1: interesting how Coleco was going after all of these. Lesser known and sometimes not known at all games uh, to fill out the ColecoVision library. I mean, yes, they had Sega and yes, they had Nintendo, but other than that, other than a handful of games from both of those companies, they had nothing, and um, they didn't huh. even they only they didn't even have uh, Popeye or Mario Brothers, which were two bigger games from Nintendo hmm. and Sega. Other than uh, Zaxxon and uh, Congo Bongo, didn't really have a lot from them either. So they had to pad out their uh, library with uh, stuff from Universal and Exity and VentureLine and, you know, other companies like that. Which, interestingly, was a, actually a really good joy, really good thing to do because it introduced games to people that
0: otherwise never would have heard of them or played them. And some of them are, are really our gems. VentureLine, who distributed uh, looping in North America, they have... Uh... 18 games listed uh, and a couple of them are the same like they're interestingly there's a there's six pack one and six pack two and those are basically six sporty c- kind of games uh-huh. in one like uh, six pack one has tennis hot shot whatever that is ricochet super soccer pro hockey and bumper pool uh-huh. and six pack two you have pin ball tennis hand ball triple hit crazy ball and clean sweep and mm. I'm pretty sure that wouldn't be the Vectrex Queen Sweep. Uh, I let's see, there's another game close. called Breakaway, which I'm going to guess is a Breakout clone, or if not, just flat out uh, ripoff uh, of Break. Yeah, in fact, yeah, there's a mock up here. Yeah, that's, def- that's exactly what it is. It's a Breakout clone. Uh, there's Casino and Casino Royale, which might be the same game. There's Meteoroids and Space Force, which are the same game. Just with different titles uh so yeah they have they have other games but they're probably nothing worth writing home about now, this is interesting they had uh let's see zargon in 1983 which was a conversion kit ca- oh man yeah it was it looks like it wasn't until 1983 until they actually got their act together unfortunately it was too late by then but having said that uh i never played looping before until we actually started pr- prepping for this episode hmm because I just never saw it. I had heard of it all the time. I just never actually saw it. But having said that, I remember when Logan Hardware here in Chicago, when they used to have their uh, arcade museum in the back, mm-hmm. there was a promo video on YouTube and one of the marquees that it showed was for looping. Hmm. So I'm guessing that they have a copy in their possession somewhere. I don't think it's out on the arcade floor at Logan Arcade because it's not listed anywhere, but I'm guessing it's somewhere in the city, somewhere, but uh, somewhere in the city, somewhere. Hmm. But I definitely remember seeing ColecoVision advertising in things for looping, so I know it was out there. I just never played it until now when I emulated it, because I can do it legally, by the way, without having owned the machine, so I played it in MAME. And I gotta say, I'm giving this one three continues as well. Uh it's not something I can see myself going back to a lot, but at the same time there's just something about it that's very charming. Mm-hmm. The rather uh primitive graphics, like the outline graph, almost gra- a lot of the graphics almost look like vector graphics. And it looks yeah, kind of that cool. feel, yeah. Mm-hmm. It looks kind of cool for this game. Mm-hmm.
1: It definitely has a unique kind of minimalistic uh style to it. Yeah. And it's <sighs> It's one of those irritating games that make you want to try to get a little further because you want to see what's coming up, even though, you know, most people probably who have ever heard of this game are probably familiar with it because they probably had the ColecoVision version. But um, <laughs> ColecoVision version, ColecoVision version, ColecoVision version, Coleco version. That's probably easier to say, and it's still correctly. And it's still correct. Yeah, it's not correctly, it's correct. So uh, what rating do you give I pain? Well, you said, I'm going to give this a 3-2, which I know that was in in response to your rating of Space Panic, but I'm going to give this a 3-2 as well. Uh, A 3, actually, as well, because it's, well, I'm giving it a 3. Because it's, I was originally going to give it a 2, because when I was playing it the other day, I was just not having fun with it. But then today I was playing it a little bit more, and I'm like... Getting a little bit further and a little bit further, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I can I can really get into this. Now, that having been said, um, I have played Sky uh Sky Bumper as well, and that's a game we'll probably never cover because we n- neither of us have heard of it until we started researching. It's basically looping it's basically with a looping with no real yeah. objectives. It just keeps going on and on and on. There's no end, there's no the end in looping. Yeah, like and, I said, um, it's
0: a little bit more forgiving with collision detection.
1: I did put the cheats on to get see how far I could get into this game, into to, into Sky Bumper, and that game gets so damn hard; it makes looping look uh, easy by comparison. Really? There's like there's a place where you, where there's like a, a vertical wall with a little hole at the top and the bottom. You have to go through, and then the next vertical wall goes goes away in. However, there's to get to the next area, there's a pipe of, of those blocks you got to shoot out. But it extends almost all the way to the vertical wall, if you can picture. The the room kind of looks like a bee, in a way, with the, the pipe you have to go through in the middle. And it, try doing that. I had the cheats turned on, and I was stuck, with even with the cheats on, I was stuck there for like about 10 minutes before I could get through it. Uh, it was insane. Geez. So, yeah. But I'm giving this one a three, as I said. and. Um, hmm Definitely check out the uh, the Atari 2600 version. It's uh, it's it's quite well done. And uh, yeah.
0: So. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. That, sound, that sounds like a thing. Sure. Uh, why don't we see what uh, Eugenio has to say about this? Uh, or about he these says, days, perhaps. Yeah. He says, uh, greetings, Sean and Jim. I hope all is well with you. All's well here. But I'm keeping an eye on the very storms in the Atlantic. That's right. Yeah, he's down in Florida. There were six of those things out here this week. Something that has not happened in some time. Thankfully, most have not become hurricanes, and they've stayed mostly at sea. I just hope another one doesn't go over the Bahamas. Dorian was devastating for them, and they need time to recover. In any case, how about I switch gears and start sharing feedback on the games for today? Okay, Eugenio, go right ahead. Oh, he does, uh, starting with looping, uh, which is why we're reading it now, because you start with looping. This is a game that I have never seen in an arcade or at a retro event. In fact, my only familiarity with this game comes from trying out the Coleco port for the 2600, which appears to be a finished prototype that was never released. I have watched videos of the arcade game to be able to tell that the 2600 version does capture the gameplay fairly well. It has simplified graphics, which should come as no surprise. Let me say that this is a tough game. Uh, no, I'm not going to let you say that, Eugenio. Uh-uh. Permission denied. Now, one can only get the plane to loop by pushing the joystick up or down as the plane will continue rather fast in whatever direction it is going. You can get the plane to move straight down if you hit the top of the screen, which becomes very important strategically as it may be the only way to destroy your targets. To make things more interesting, I did finger quotes there, there are balloons floating around that also move rather fast and can be difficult to avoid. You can blow them up, but that can be challenging to accomplish. The game has two screens, an airfield, and a pipe maze. If anyone doesn't feel like the airfield isn't challenging enough, then the pipe maze should change their mind. Oh boy, howdy. For those lucky enough to reach what is literally the end within the maze, a new and harder level awaits. I know there's a port of this game for the ColecoVision that looks much closer to the arcade version. I'm sure it is just as difficult to play. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this one. (laughs) Why, thank you, Eugenio. To hear our thoughts on this, please back up a little bit in the podcast and you'll hear our thoughts. Shall I continue? I shall. Oh, please Uh, do. Number two, Space Panic.
1: I don't recall ever seeing this game before you guys mentioned it for review on the podcast. I immediately ran a search and found videos on the game as well as more information. It looks like there's a home port for the ColecoVision and there's a clone of the game for the Atari 8-bit computers called Space Monsters. Okay, first of all, I did not know of that one. I will look to see if I have that on my SD card, on my UNO card, on my 8-bit. The latter is available for download, so I'm just going to get it and give it a try. When looking at the videos of Space Panic, I have to wonder if this game was an inspiration for Mr. Deuce Castle, given that both are universal games and some of its game mechanics are similar, which, again, we discussed. How dare you bring up points that we already talked about? No, I'm I also have to wonder if the Pac-Man Plus monsters, after Pac-Man eats the Energizers or bonus items, were inspired by the monsters in Space Panic.
0: I swear I did not see that before I made that comment. I really did not.
1: I actually, I didn't either. I, to be honest, I actually referred did not purposely did not read this email until <laughs> until we recorded, uh, just to yeah. see what he has to say, and um, I blinded my research, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway, going to the Final Frontier gaming. Gaming.
0: Eugenio, the bastard who is going to PRGE. Yeah, you bastard! Yeah, because he mentioned he was going to PRG as like a bastard. Yeah, because I'd love to go sometime, but th- at least this year is not terrible, really a but, good uh, time.
1: Uh, you know what? Uh, I mean, my not, wife
0: and I just got back from a trip, and not
1: too early uh, to uh, start uh, receiving donations for next for next year. Cough,
0: cough, cough. Oh yeah, yeah, that's that's but, very uh, true. Yes. And of course for Midwest Gaming Classic, you know, uh, but, I still gotta get my tickets.
1: Yeah, me too. That's going to be a while. I have to we're going to have to
0: wait. But well, I'm hey, hoping we, we my, have t- yeah. we have till April. So. Yeah, that's true. Uh, P.S. And the cool thing is, all we need is admission tickets this time. We're not going to have a table. Yeah, no,
1: but uh, we might have. Who knows? We might have a shindig for our fans. Yeah, you know, an after party, as it were. So yeah, we might we might not. We haven't decided. It'd be nice to do yeah. something for our loyal listeners. Yeah, or, would be. We'll see what happens. Maybe we'll just hang out at bar afterwards. That actually could probably be fun, like after party at George Webb's. That's actually not a bad idea. I love that place. Um, P.S. In a previous episode, you talked about bowling games, and I'd mentioned I'd love to see a real sports bowling for the 2600. Well, it looks like this might be happening, although with the name Pro Bowling. It's still very early in development, but I like how it looks so far. Check it out, and he provided the link. Which we will provide,
0: too. Uh, did I see this? And yeah, it does look pretty cool so far. It's, oh, it's like yes. a first-person yes, yes. view, almost.
1: And uh, Oh, this uh, topic was uh, started on my birthday. Uh, September 11th. Yay. So, um, it looks pretty good. I might uh, give that a try. It does. Yeah. It does.
0: Although yeah, it's going really it to be really hard to available for it. Oh, I don't know, is there? Uh, I don't know if I see a rom, I just oh, see screenshots. Oh, wait, screen there's caps. a link to the guys. Oh, there must be. Yeah, there is. There's, there
1: is. So, oh, yeah, there it is. Um, so now you can uh, select the gender of your uh of your bowler too. Male or female. Yep. That's cool. Um, so, yeah, link in the show notes. And uh, thank you again, as always, Eugenio, for uh, emailing thank you, us. Eugenio. And with that, let us reveal the theme. Oh, please You know, please I always do. think we should have, like, a drum roll or something for that, but it's kind of late to start that in the podcast now, though, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But the theme is games in which people are probably more familiar with the ColecoVision version than they are the arcade version. And Indeed. I know that f- that's got to be the overwhelming fact for our listeners. Come on. Who has seen? Yeah, I don't know. I would say Space Panic is probably more common than uh, looping, but that's not really saying. I would the whole
0: think line. so. I would think so.
1: Universal was more of a had more. Well, they they created Mr. Do, for crying out loud. So they at least had some presence in the American arcade market. Sure. So, um, by the time heck, they kept the first several, several games in the in the cosmic line of games that Space Panic is part of, were Space Invaders clones, So you know they were here. Mm. Everybody and their mother had. Uh, Everybody in my mother actually had a Space Invaders clone. I forgot about the one my mom programmed. It was, a, that was oh, wow. pretty cool, yeah.
0: You'll have to show it to me.
1: Yeah, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll do that on the upload 21st night of to September.
0: YouTube, actually. Oh, there we go.
1: That's a good idea. So, so that's it. Yeah. That's another pie factory in the books, almost. But uh, speaking of books, uh, some, uh, books, some people have uh, actually uh, given us uh, donations for stuff that we can actually put in our books. So uh, bookkeeping yeah. and all that. So Yeah, and of- I
0: want to thank those people. And the first person I want to thank is Tim Foley. And the reason I want to thank him first is because on multiple occasions he has requested that we do a longer show so he could get through the workday. Now, here's what here's a good way to make that happen. The more people who sponsor us on Patreon, the more we have to acknowledge, which Ooh. means that'll take up some more time in the podcast. So tell everybody, everybody who's not a Patreon sponsor, be a Patreon sponsor, hear your name and be proud. So thank you, Tim Foley, and PJ Steele, and Steve Steiner, and Kyle Etter, and Michael D'Angelo, and Richard Grounds. Thanks again for the early birthday present. Richard Valdez, D. Alex Airshack, Christian Williams, Underground Retrocade, Greg Polander, Nate Lockhart, Art Guglielmo. New Balance Stores, Phoenix, Kurt Musgrave, Atari Bytes, Franco Dragon, and Rory Coleman. Thank you all so much. And thanks to our latest addition to the Patreon family, Lance Endress. Thanks so much, Lance. We appreciate your support, and we appreciate everybody's support. Thank you all very much. Um, I hope I didn't uh, mess up your uh, pronunciation of your name, Lance. Uh, forgive me if I did. And you can... Uh, um. <laughs> Become part of the Patreon crowd by uh, following the advice of our booth announcer. Uh, she will give you the information momentarily. I hear she's Mrs.
1: Booth announcer because she's married. She's not just booth announcer anymore. She's just Mrs. Booth announcer now. When would she get married? Um, Recently.
0: Huh. I don't
1: know. Anyway, so <laughs> uh, what, laugh tonight. I'm, what I'm, have I'm we... i have pulling
0: a Ferg here. <laughs> oh, I don't know if I want to do that. <laughs> well, no, because at least Ferg laughs at funny things. Yeah. But, um, so what hmm. is on schedule for episode 103, which will be uh, in a few weeks. Uh,
1: scheduled for the next episode, we're going to be talking about Peter Packrat and Turtles.
0: Peter Packrat and Turtles. Hmm.
1: Twidle, or turtles, that, yes.
0: So, so yeah, uh, anyway, I guess that's uh, that's it for this episode of the Pie Factory Podcast. And the Pie Factory Podcast. My, na- my name is... And uh, this is Jimmy, actually no it's not, this is Sean, I think this is Sean talking, yeah. And this is uh, Jimmy the G, as Sean calls me. Uh Uh-huh. What does the G stand for? Find out next episode. Savings. End result. Bingo!
1: This episode of the Pie Factory Podcast was edited and produced by Hyde St. Pierre. Opening and closing theme is the Happy L composed by Sean Courtney. Love theme from Addenda and Arata was composed by Jim Goble. Follow the Pie Factory podcast online via Facebook, on Twitter at Pie Factory PFP, or on PieFactoryPodcast.com. Support the show at Patreon.com slash Podcast. And you know what? Uh, hold on one second. I <sighs> gotta make a quick stop to the bathroom.
0: yeah usually when i make a quick stop in the bathroom jim likes to take advantage of that opportunity and uh, say like brutal things about me i would sue him for defamation but man i just don't have the time you know in these in today's economy you know who who has that kind of time so yeah and i i just don't know what else to say i mean you know how rude how how, how bloody rude While he's doing that, I'm going to catch up on Insta here. Um, Let's see what Instagram has in today's news. Oh, I'm presented with a picture of a cellular phone. Actually, forget Insta. Let's check the tweeterverse. Twitter.com. Let's see. Password. See, vacation. One, two, three. And there we go. And let's see. Ooh, Prince Harry is in the tweeting news here. Uh... See, Michael Moore, Skirtser, uh, uh, Todd Phillips. Um, let's see what else is trending here. College in six words. Ooh, National Black Dog Day. I don't know if Lola qualifies. She's only partly black. She's like black, brown, and white. And let's see. Ooh, it wants me to follow Sean Holly. Okay, there, follow. I'm following you, Sean Holly and let's see six lits trending in Illinois what is six lits hmm is this something that's safe to Google oh okay I see what it is favorite movie candy by state and for Illinois it's six for for Wisconsin it says craft cheese slices I, I don't think a self-respecting Wisconsinite would eat craft cheese slices do you agree with that I'm back do you think a, self, a self-respecting self Wisconsinite would eat craft cheese slices? It
1: depends. Do they consider American cheese real cheese?
0: Well, it depends on what you define as American cheese. If you mean like American cheese, it's actually like... Like pasteur- the pasteurized processed like cheese. The pasteurized... Because there's a difference. The slicey, individually wrapped singles are not American cheese. American cheese is, is an actual real cheese. In really? fact, I think... Like, those craft single thingies, they can't legally be called cheese, which is why they're going to be something like processed cheese food product or something.
1: You've been listening to Dairy Talk with Farmer Sean and Dapper Jim. Yeah.